bounty hunters. We don't need that scum. Ah, Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. Give me the Star Wars. Don't let them in. Hello and welcome to another episode of Give Me Those Star Wars, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Daly and I'm thrilled to welcome the yard sale artist himself to the show, Mr. Jared Alberick. How's it going, man? It is going very well. Thanks for having me. I like I like this show, so I'm excited to be on it, man. Well, I'm excited, like I said, to have you. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about the subject for this episode, which is Bounty Hunters. Uh, but before we get to that, since this is your first time on the show, you must tell us a little bit about how and when you discovered Star Wars, and what does it mean to you? All right. Uh, wow. Uh, you asked me to be on the show about three weeks ago. So I thought I should probably watch Star Wars. No, I'm kidding. Um, I I was born in the late 1976, so like I was a baby when the movie came out. So I discovered Star Wars like it's been a part of my life forever because I, I have an older brother, Jason. He's five years older than me, and so he, you know he he's five when the thing comes out. I'm just a baby, and so he's excited and he has the toys. And so as I grow up, it's just a part of my life. There's Star Wars toys everywhere. My older brother loves Star Wars, and anybody who's got an older sibling knows that you usually kind of like what they like, you know. So uh, I just, I just kind of, I, I don't have life without Star Wars. There's no point where I can be like, oh, I went and saw this, and then I got turned on to it. It just has always been around me, mainly through the toys mm-hmm. and some of the comic books uh, as a kid. Because as you know, uh, we're about the same age when I think uh, <laughs> when, when we were kids, uh, there was no home video, so. It was just like kind of keep it alive via comic, via toy. And then uh, my most vivid memory, that like the first vivid memory I have of it, which is a story I love to tell. Uh, my sister, who's five years younger than me, was born in 1981. Uh, she was born, and so we got three kids in the house. And, and you know, my, my mom's probably going nuts with the, with the baby and, and the two boys. And so my dad said, I'll take the boys. They got a double feature in town this week. And the double feature was a Harrison Ford double feature. (laughs) It was Raiders of the Lost Ark and Empire Strikes Back. And little did I know I was going to the greatest double feature that could maybe ever be lined up. You know? I was going to say, like, that, that one-two punch is pretty unbeatable. <laughs> I'm five or six years old, and I, I, it's super exciting for me because it's the first time that I – my brother's gone to movies because he's older. It's the first time I get to go to the movies with my brother, which is super cool, with my dad, which is super cool. And I saw two amazing movies that would just be part of my life forever. So that's my earliest memory, but like I said, I've grown up with it around me yeah. uh, since, since I can remember. Yeah, that's that's awesome. man. I'm so jealous of that double feature. I know, man. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew that it would be so awesome? <laughs> I, I will. I will cop though. I am a little bit younger than you think. I'm a actually. I'm a very precocious 14 years old right now. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> You've got homework to do. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not quite. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, people, uh, we've got a few current events topics to cover before we get into our main subject. Uh, this is information regarding upcoming Star Wars projects that may include the movies, TV, comics, video games, etc. 
if you're thinking to yourself right now, gee, I've been trying to remain spoiler-free about these things. I hope they don't ruin anything for me. Well, then if that sounds like you, you might want to skip this segment and come back to the main topic later. The start times for that will be posted in the show notes for the episode. So, uh, that is your spoiler warning. Let's get to things. Jared, I didn't mm. mean to force you to watch the trailer <laughs> for Star Wars The Last Jedi, but you did. So did. what did you think of it? Uh, well, uh, like I was telling you, I don't do trailers a lot. Uh, I don't, it's not like I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to avoid it. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I just don't I do not do them all. I like to go in as clean as possible. But I did watch it because you mentioned it. Uh, we'd look at the show. And so I just kind of took a, just a brief – like I didn't dissect it. I, I, by no means did I dissect it, like get into it, try and figure anything out. I just kind of watched it surface level. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. It jazzed me up uh, for the movie, which is absolutely the job of a trailer. Yeah. So I'm like, yes, I'm very excited about this. I, 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 much like all other Star Wars fans, have my own theories as to what's coming up next. So I'll be <laughs> excited to see uh, if any of that comes to pass. But yeah, no, it looked action-packed and it looked intriguing. Uh, the most memorable thing about it to me was I think it was very very near the end of the trailer where it kind of hints at like Ray and Kylo like might come to an agreement and I was like oh that's interesting so that's those were my big takeaways like I said I very surface level I know but that's kind of how I wanted to do it no that's good and uh, I will have a future episode of this show before the movie comes out that's pretty much just speculation about uh all right about, you know different fan theories about what's coming up and what I think might happen and uh, I'll have a, a few other fan theories to kind of mull over. Cool. One of the other big news items that came out just this week is, and I don't know for the life of me why they waited so long to release this or why they made a big deal about it, the Han Solo origin story movie that is coming out next summer has finally released its official title, and the movie is called Solo. I think the only other more obvious one would have been Han Solo, but it's just called Solo. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? Makes sense. If it's a Han Solo solo film... I feel like the people that make the red plastic cups could really make a marketing move in a big way. If they don't, that's just money on the table that they're looking for. I mean, get your crap together, red plastic cups solo makers. Um, Like, okay, simple title. Uh, I didn't go, oh, that's really cool. And I didn't didn't go, oh, that sucks. I just went, all right. So that was my reaction to it. I'm I'm the worst guest ever. All right. That's what I said to the preview. That's what I say to the title of Solo. Right. I, yeah, I'm kind of of two minds. Like on the one hand, I was like, "Yeah, I expected the movie to be called Han Solo or Solo, so this isn't a surprise." And I was more kind of like, "Why didn't you say this six months ago? Like, why is this even a thing that had to be discussed?" <laughs> yeah, um, I guess like the fact that they felt like they had to like release it. Like, yeah, <laughs> don't release predictability, man. We, we, we we've got it. You could have just told us we're gonna go see the movie. Yeah. Like they released like a whole title card with like the solo in like the it looked like sort of a classic Star Warsy font. Like the the design of the title, it's it's officially solo a Star Wars story. I like the look of it. It's it's elegant, it's simple, it's clean, it's cool, but I still feel like if you're walking up to the box office, I think most people just by default, or I think almost kind of like muscle memory, they're just going to say, yeah, one for Han Solo or, you know, two for right. Han Solo. I think people are going to think of it as the Han Solo movie, regardless of what the name is. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll do like I did, did like when uh, Rogue One came out. I just go, give me one for Star Wars. Yeah. That's what I said. Give me one for Star Wars. Yeah. I want the one with the you know what I mean. and the ships and the lightsabers. <laughs> I want the pew, pew, pew in the... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that could be really any movie. So. Yeah, good point. <laughs> I should really be more discerning. <laughs> um, are you a, are you a gamer? Do you play video games? I have uh, been known to be a gamer. Yes, um, yes, I have a problem. Let me just <laughs> let me just admit it on the show. I, I do game. I have one of the largest video game collections, maybe of all time, because of the yard selling thing. Oh yeah, like yeah. I don't pass up video games at yard sales, and I have like literally thousands of games and every game system. If you can name a system, the only one I'm still looking for is the Philips CDI. Oof. I got everything else. I got games at the Wazoo Forum. I have no time to play them. I have a lovely. It's basically <laughs> it's a museum. But yes, I do game, and I, I have dabbled in Star Wars games. Uh, before, if that's where we're going. Well, that that was where I was going with that, <laughs> that question. Don't they have like a new, isn't there a new, I've been seeing ads for like a new Battlefront? It's Am I not Battlefront 2, yeah. They just released okay. a, a promo for basically the, the story mode of like where, where it's going because the first Battlefront, which was really popular before it came out, and then I think a lot of people were disappointed because it didn't have like a campaign mode. Like you couldn't, there, there wasn't really a functionality of you playing it single player. You had to play it online with friends. And right. And I'm, I, I don't do that. Like I, I, I don't, I don't play a lot of games, but the ones I do play, I play by myself in the dark, crying and drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, um, so so we both have, we both are addressing some issues in today's episode. (laughs) Why, why why do I feel so confessional right now? (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Let it all out, man. Um, But yeah, so they released the, so the new one battlefront two has a campaign mode where you're basically a right after the fall of the, the empire at the battle of Endor, you're a surviving Imperial special forces, uh, operative, like a commander, uh, with like TIE fighter training and like special forces training. So you're basically, I, I think kind of the story mode that it's going is you're one of the Imperial survivors who like won't give up the war, even though your team is lost. And it might kind of lay the seeds for the creation of the First Order, kind of leading into sort of a, a prequel to The Force Awakens and the new movies. Oh, okay. That's the impression okay. I'm getting. That makes sense. Um, it looked, I mean, the, it looks really cool. It looks amazing. I kind of wish there was a, a campaign or story mode that allowed you to play one of the heroes, like one of the rebels or the good guys, just because. Those I, I'm more naturally in predisposed mm-hmm. towards those characters. I like the heroes. I like the hero's journey. I think that's that's an essential part of Star Wars. And mm-hmm. even though Star Wars has always had amazing villains, and we're going to talk about some of them on this episode, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I yeah, I, I would have liked to you to have the opportunity to play a rebel soldier more than one of the Imperials that are. You know, based in part on the Nazis, <laughs> it's sort of like yeah, it's like it's making, a weird feeling. <laughs> and that's that's something that Lucasfilm has been doing a lot. And I don't know if it's just lately or if I'm just seeing it more, but they've been doing a lot of books and a lot of stories, like sort of from the villain perspective. And I, you know, I just said Star Wars has always had a lot of really great villains, but the iconography and the the attitude and everything around the Empire was based on the Nazis and and fascist government and everything. And it's like Boy, you're really trying to humanize these guys, and that, <laughs> I, I shouldn't like. The bad yeah, guys. yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't want you to humanize Grand Moff yeah. Tarkin. He's an awful, terrible. Person. <laughs> I track, I track you. I, I've, even though I'm a huge gamer, I, I've played exactly one Grand Theft Auto game. I've played yeah. and beat <laughs> GTA Three, just because everybody said how great it was, and and for that same reason, I was just like, I don't enjoy playing the villain i don't like doing bad stuff i just want to be a hero i don't want to be a villain mm-hmm. so yeah i track you on that yeah. I, i'm a i'm a i'm a goody two-shoes gamer 
you know, when I play Mass Effect, I do the right thing every time. <laughs> uh, I admit it. Goody Two Shoes Gamers, we rule, man. You know, there's no moral questioning in Tetris. You know, it's very, yeah. <laughs> very simple. It doesn't doesn't I know, challenge I me. I don't even choose which pieces come next, so I can't show preferential treatment to the pieces. <laughs> I, I am sort of biased towards colors in Tetris, though. I will. I will. No, oh man! <laughs> and this is when the episode went off the rails. <laughs> it was bound to happen. So, and that, that's as good a place anyway. Um, so, people, we are going to take a short promo break right now. Uh, after this commercial, Jared and I are going to talk about the bounty hunters of the Star Wars films. Don't go away. Hey folks, this is Jared Albrick, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist and semi-regular co-host of the Longbox Crusade podcast with Pat Sampson. Pat came to me recently with a fantastic idea on how we might get the podcast community involved in taking some action to do some good. He called this idea Comics for Courage. Comics for Courage is a concept that came to Pat after I told him the fantastic true story of when I was stationed in Iraq during my military service. While there, I received a huge care package of comic books from the awesome folks over at Wizard and Toy Fair magazines. We had so many comics, we didn't know what to do with them all. Seriously, it was over 100 pounds of comics. So me and a couple of buddies took the bounty of comics we had down to the give-and-take library we'd set up in our headquarters building. And you know what? Within 24 hours, all the comics were gone. The bottom line here is that throughout history, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, one thing remains a constant. Soldiers love comics. It's quick, easy, fun reading that gives a soldier a taste of home and lets them escape into an amazing world of comics, even if it's just for a few minutes. So here's the best part of Comics for Courage. Pat and I aren't asking you to donate one cent of your money to Comics for Courage. What we would love is for you to donate your excess comics. You know those ones that are just kind of laying around. Just drop them into a box or a big envelope and mail them over to supportourtroops.org. Their mailing address is Support Our Troops, 13617 North Florida Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33613. Now, they will make sure those comics get distributed to random soldier care packages and as a person who's been on the receiving end of this, I can tell you it will mean a lot. And if you'd rather donate money than give up a single comic book, trust me, we understand about that, you can donate through their website as well. Again, that's supportourtroops.org. Just remember two things, all right? Two things. One, make sure the comics have good, clean content. No nudity or adults-only comics, please. Those are the rules for any military member receiving goods downrange. Okay, and number two, this is the fun one. Please take a picture of you with your donation stack and post it on Twitter or Facebook at Longbox Crusade or email it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'd love to give you an on-air shout-out and post your pic on the longboxcrusade.com website. In summary, Pat and I over at Longbox Crusade Podcast would greatly appreciate you taking this small action to make a difference in the life of someone who is far from home defending our freedoms thank you for supporting a comics for courage initiative that website again is supportourtroops.org. please check it out throw them some comics make some soldiers happy we appreciate it thanks again there will be a substantial reward for the one who finds the millennium falcon 
You are free to use any methods necessary, but I want them alive. No disintegrations. As you wish. All right, we are back. The concept of the bounty hunter was introduced in the first Star Wars film with Greedo catching Han Solo in the cantina. I have always loved this part of the film. Obviously, it's a classic scene. You put your your you know Han as this sort of unconventional anti-hero, putting him in a position where he has to do something not typically altruistic and heroic when he's shooting down his his assailant. But I just, you know, that that scene in the cantina, it it helped reinforce the Western idea of the original Star Wars movie, that feeling, because, you know, the Westerns are just steeped with bounty hunters. But what did you think of, you know, that first kind of bounty hunter introduction, that scene from the first movie? Uh, it, you know what's funny? It, that one definitely stayed with me from from when I first saw Star Wars, which which probably was on a, a TV rebroadcast, if I'm honest. But it's one of those scenes that even though it was really small, it stayed with me. And I think for the exact reason you just said, it's not really about Greedo. It's about defining who Han Solo is. And mm-hmm. you hit the nail on the head. It's always been my opinion, and I guess uh, that's probably the way Lucas intended it. it. It very much kind of wanted to make him a Clint Eastwood, man with no name style like – yeah, he'll do the. He's gonna do the right thing, but he's also, you know, not to be trifled with, and he doesn't mind shooting first, if you will. Not that there's ever been any controversy <laughs> around that. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought I think it's, it's an absolutely. It's a tense scene, which I think is another reason why I remembered it. You know, even as a kid, you don't. You know, as a kid, I wasn't like this is great character development. But <laughs> right. it's just, you know, it's just like really tense. Like, okay, what's going on? And it tells you a lot. Like, he's a wanted man, and he's kind of always has to look over his shoulder. He le- leads a life of stress, uh, but he's also, you know, not really to be trifled with. So you learn a lot in just a few minutes there. Yeah, yeah, I, it is great development, and I, the, yeah, the tension. I remember from like very early on seeing that. I was like. What is going to happen with this this weird creature? And you mentioned it before that he really looks like broccoli. This green. Yeah, guy. I was like, what the heck is this? Uh, especially the toy. I mean, because the toy is just like all green, and it's. Right. Um, but yeah, and I just like it. It, it blew my mind because I was like, this guy is talking in this weird language, and Han can understand him, and he's talking about this guy that we don't know who's Jabba the Hutt. What is Jabba the Hutt? You know what? What is this whole thing? And it, all this backstory that we're laying for this character, and just so easily just taken down with this like casual violence that defines Han. But it really, really works. It does. Um, and then the the threat of Jabba the Hutt, the threat of paying off this debt lingers with Han for the next couple movies. And and really, when I think of bounty hunters, and I think when most people think of bounty hunters in Star Wars, it's the scene in The Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's inter- actually I, all I thought we were going to talk about today. Yeah, and this was going to be <laughs> – this was kind of like the big one that I want to get to because this is like the scene where we get six new bounty hunters. Now, if you want to be technical, you can say Boba Fett was introduced in the holiday special. But for the most part, we're, we're introduced to six. And I think the mystique of these characters and, – and some of them are on screen for a second and not even mm. very clearly – uh, like really, I mean, the like Boba Fett is the only one who does anything in the movie, uh, and is carried over. But like you know, there have been short stories and books written about these other characters that just stand there. Like IG88, IG88 is just a prop because there's like no way that thing can actually move. It's just standing there. <laughs> but I think the mystique of these characters is it, really added because 
they're unlike anything else in that movie, Empire Strikes Back. You know, Star Wars, the first one has that cantina scene where Luke walks in and we're just blown away by everything that he sees. All of these aliens, all of these creatures right, just sitting right. around well, and drinking like, it's like cheers. Like everybody knows their name. They're just like common, <laughs> you know, you're waiting for like, you know, the door to open and everybody shouts, walrus man. <laughs> <laughs> and then... And then later on in Return of the Jedi, you have Jabba's Palace, which they were trying to sort of like echo that whole thing. But Empire is different. Empire really has, you know, there's sort of a military uniformity to that movie because so much of it is set on the Star Destroyer with the Empire or this sort of futuristic heavenly city at Bespin or Luke in his, you know, swamp doing his training. The mm-hmm. only kind of unusual kind of like oddity in that movie you know other than like you know like the the space slugs or something it's really just this little moment with these six bounty hunters they kind of they break up and they're different and i think that's why they stand out so well what do you think yeah i I think um anything that's mysterious is interesting Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's really like everybody's in their top i don't know whatever five maybe one characters from star wars everybody loves boba fett everybody loves boba fett because he's mysterious he hardly says anything he looks cool and i think that's what's going on there you've got all these like this menagerie of badass guys and you're just like look at you know how did how did they get here and and which one of these guys is the toughest you know these are all the (laughs) questions that run through our minds when we're kids or when we're 40 we're like (laughs) who could beat up who you know and i think that's really where it comes from it's that it's that mystery like plus it's like it's multiplied because not only do you have the it's not like commander you know jerjared or whatever is talking to these guys it's like darth vader's talking to these guys and you're like, okay, there's the baddest of the bad. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to these guys, and he's, he's basically recruiting using them. Like, how bad are these guys? You know, that they're the guys that, that the baddest of the bad goes to for help. You know, so you've just got this big mystery, like mystique, so cool kind of thing going on, and it's hard to resist. Yeah, I think, like, even without them doing anything, even if that was their only scene in the movie, like, we never saw Boba Fett again, like, these seemed like the upper echelon. The fact that they were recruited by the Empire, they were called an invader himself is giving them the spiel. He's telling them what their assignment is. He's he's personally hiring these guys. Like Greedo would not make it there. Like he, he yeah. not, he's not that level. Even if he had survived, even if he hadn't been gunned down, like he he doesn't he doesn't make that list. He doesn't get the plus no. one no. for that group. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, you've got this other group, there's just six of them, two droids, two aliens, and as far as we know, even though Boba Fett never takes the mask off, two humans. And let's, I mean, you you mentioned it, I I think most, it does kind of begin and end with Boba Fett, and, and what about it? And I think the mystery about him is something that really makes him cool, and... I know there has been a backlash against him recently, um, and I know a lot of people, and some people are just like, I, I never understood what, what made him so cool. I always thought Boba Fett was cool. I always thought he was one of the coolest characters. That softened a little bit with the prequel movies and yeah. when they when they took the mystery away, which mm-hmm. is never a good thing when you have a character <laughs> who mystery defines what is cool about him, and, and you brought that up. But forgetting that part, like just looking at Boba Fett in The Empire Strikes Back, and we can we can say Return of the Jedi too. What is cool about him? Why do we like him? Why was he so popular that he was on merchandise, T-shirts, cups, toys, everything? Why was Boba Fett the man? I think it's I think it begins and ends with great 
character design, a great look. Mm. He just, I mean, that helmet design, the color palette they chose. He's he's got scuffs and scrapes on his armor. He's not shiny, which just you just look at him and you go, he's an interesting look. Um, he's been there and back again. And then the way that uh, Jeremy Bullock played him of just, you know, there's all this going on and I'm just standing to the side of the room just watching, you know, just laying in the cut, waiting for my moment. Uh, I think that's why it is. I think he just has this incredible look. He's incredibly mysterious. And then when we do see him, he's just real. He's real cool and subtle. He's kind of like James Bond. You know, he's not wigging <laughs> out. He's not He's not over anxious. He's just waiting to play his hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that's that's what, what, what makes him great. And shout out to Jeremy Bullock, by the way. He had the table next to mine at Louisiana Comic Con last year. Oh, nice. <laughs> and uh, my son was just like in awe. And, uh, <laughs> and, and my son went over. We had donuts that morning. And I said, I'm going offer him a donut so i think he was super nice and he had a donut with my son i'm like wait till you tell your friends you had donuts with boba fett but it was weird because my son was still like a little scared of him because my son was like 10 at the time and he couldn't it's hard to disassociate actor from character sure, yeah yeah he's like he always keeping one eye on him but anyway not to digress no um, i i think that's what it, i think it was a great look and then the way he just played it so subtle it would be one thing if it was just like a clean armored outfit and everything just but like the fact that you as you said it had scuffs on it it mm-hmm. did look a little bit piecemeal like it didn't like the colors didn't all match it looked like he had been through some action like mm-hmm. and he was the last man standing and couple that with the fact that we don't know what it is but he and Darth Vader have a history because Vader singles him out <laughs> that's right the group points his finger in his face and says no disintegrations and Boba Fett voiced just dripping sarcasm, as you wish. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, all right, you're the one paying it, so we'll play it your way. But it's just like, oh, man, who is this guy? What is? What was that story? What's going on? And, and yeah, I, I love the game. My, my favorite Boba Fett moment is later on when they're in uh, the carbon freezing chamber on Cloud City. And uh, Vader tells... And then, you know, the stormtroopers to put Han Solo into position, they reach for him, Chewbacca loses it and starts flowing stormtroopers over the side, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> ripping them around. And instinctively, like like without missing a beat, Boba Fett reaches his gun up to blast him and Vader just casually just pushes his arm away. He's like, don't waste your ammo. Like, don't do this. It's like, <laughs> let them. But like, Boba Fett was ready to throw down. As soon as there was a sign of action, he was ready to put Chewie down. Yeah, you, you, I'm not sure how, but don't we – maybe this is in my head, but don't we get the impression that he and Han Solo have tangled before? So I might have made that in my head, but if they had, that would make sense because he knows how dangerous that Wookiee can be. He's not fooling around. He's not – yeah. That part is never made explicit in the films, but I know like – I don't know where like I got the, it from. The instant <laughs> – yeah, they – there was instantly like there there was something there, and I know it was it was filled out really quickly just between comics and other stories and merchandise. Like they really went over back to like see that the fact that like these guys knew each other and they had a history. Uh, like yeah, there's that moment, and then of course like I mean Han obviously knows him by name because in Return of the Jedi, and that's oh yeah, Boba Fett. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Boba Fett. And it as somebody who loved the character, it was a little bit heartbreaking to see him taken down so ignobly aboard the sail barge. <laughs> and a lot of people point to the fact, it's like, well, you know, he was like the Darth Maul of the classic trilogy. He looked cool, but he didn't really do anything. I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's hard not to argue. And I think I think one of the things that I don't like about the character that has sort of been retconned after The Empire Strikes Back was this idea that he's just kind of, 
he's almost on a retainer for Jabba the Hutt, but like it's more than that. Like he works for him. Like the added scene that they did for the special edition of Star Wars when they throw in the scene with Han meeting Jabba the Hutt uh, mm-hmm. next to the Millennium Falcon, which mm-hmm. I hate that scene. Um, I hate that worse than, than the changing and making Greedo shoot first. Um, I think the scene with Jabba the Hutt is worse because there's like four reasons why it's stupid. But they also <laughs> include Boba Fett. Like they digitally added him into that shot. And it's like, really, now you're just making him like another one of Jabba's stooges. I'm like, really, why is he at Jabba's palace the day that the rebels come to rescue Han? It's like he, he doesn't work for Jabba. He's like, he should be out there doing his own thing. So that's a, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yes, yes. There were in the '90s. There were some really cool comics uh, starring Boba Fett. Um, there was talk about doing a Boba Fett movie when Disney acquired the license. Um, they hired Josh Trank to direct, to write and direct one, uh, and then he kind of had a meltdown, psychotic episode filming Fantastic Four, uh, and then they're like, "Yeah, we're not going to do this." Um, I, I mentioned it on the last episode that I did with uh, J. David Weider that. I would be cool with them doing a Boba Fett movie if they still found a way to maintain the mystery and that essential element of the character. If they made him sort of like the John Wayne or Jeff Bridges character in True Grit, where you saddle him with a younger, sort of innocent character that can be our POV character. You can tell a cool story Mm -hmm. with Boba Fett, but I don't want to learn more about him. So we need somebody else to watch him be really cool. Uh, Or or like Natalie Portman's character in The Professional, you know, something like that. Yeah, he needs to be like James Bond before these last recent films where they tried to give him a backstory. Yeah. Um, Boba Fett needs no backstory. We just need to see him Boba Fett it up. And you're you're right. Like just really should be another character that we see it. Through their eyes, I think that's a good idea. And and you talked about True Grit, and I and I would see it as a, yeah, as a very similarly like a Clint Eastwood, Pale Rider style. style yeah, movie. yeah. yeah. Um, but either way, yeah, that, that totally works. And it's not like we're not going to give them our money, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I I don't want the lasting image of Boba Fett to be the kid from Attack of the Clones. So <sighs> I. <laughs> I do want to see Boba Fett return in the movies. I do want to see him, even if it's not like a full movie about him, I want him to come back and I want him to do something worthy of the cool factor that fans bestowed upon him in the 80s and 90s. The reason that he was such a a cool marketing gimmick. I I want him to do something worthy of that. I have a suspicion that they're going to weave something, if not just a cameo or something, into that Han Solo movie. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I, I feel like they're 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 there's a ripe opportunity to tie tie to Boba Fett and and get some of that mystique back yet because after the you know get them dead yeah. oh. stuff that, oh, that hurts. And with very few exceptions kids always ruin movies that's my <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's that's my cynical take of the day although there are there are some exceptions where they do quite good yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah that was not one of them yes. uh, not not one of them. All right, let's move on to some of the other bounty hunters from uh, Empire. Uh, The only other one that actually gets dialogue, I guess, technically, even though we don't hear it because it's not English, um, Bosk, the reptilian bounty hunter. A lot of people love this character. What do you think about Bosk? Uh, he like a Bosk. That's what I like to say. (laughs) Uh, He is he he is my favorite. Yeah. Of of that lineup. And I think it goes right back to why Boba Fett is a is a fan favorite. He has a great design. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and if you look at the lineup, if you look at him just kind of in a still shot of the bounty hunter standing there, he jumps out because of the yellow suit. Yeah. And you're like, it's yellow suit on a lizard, man. <laughs> <laughs> and they're serious high waders. And he doesn't even wear boots. What's going on with that? You know, like there's so many questions. I just love Bosk. He's a great design. I just always liked him. I, I think it goes back to the figures. If I if I really give it some thought, it goes back to the figures. Great looking figure, just like Boba Fett. What do you think about Boss? I I love him because the yellow suit that you mentioned first, the the color and it does stand out because it's it's not like anything else on the Star Destroyer. Like it, that that color just pops. It does. But his costume it, it looks like a pilot suit like the Rebels wear. It's like they have the orange X-wing pilot outfits or the the snow speeder pilot outfits. His looks like a yellow version of that. And that just made me like, I was like, dude, does he have like his own starfighter? Like, when we see him in like, like a Y wing, or like, is that like what he used to get around, or whatever it was? Like, just something about that outfit. It's just like, it just adds a, a sense of depth to the Star Wars universe. That that's kind of like space gear. Like, that's just like what yeah. the, the pilots wear, and I like that. And the fact that he like he mouths off to like, Captain Piet or Admiral Piet at the time because <laughs> he's like, we don't need their scum. And you just got just kind of like, whatever he does at them. And just kind of like looks at him and is like, dude, he, he looks like that alligator is about to bite your head off. <laughs> he's got those wiggly toes. <laughs> and now don't quote me on this and you're much smarter on, on Star Wars than I, but I, I want to say I heard somewhere that that yellow suit was actually a, a military design, high altitude suit from the Royal Air Force. I have no idea. I mean, you know, <laughs> you definitely know more about military and military history. I, I don't know. That would be cool if it was. I, I, I swear I heard that somewhere. Um, we're going to do the lazy podcast thing. Just let the fans get back to us. <laughs> do you think like the uh, like the costuming department like repurposed it from that or was it designed to look like that? Do you- no, I, I think it's repurposed. I, I, in fact, I think that's why I learned about it. I was watching a video somewhere about commonly used props because they yeah. look well, that was one of them. I want to say that was one of those high pressure, high altitude suits from the Royal Air Force. That it kind does. Of it does shows have like the movies. ring around the neck that looks like it would have like one of those bubble kind of yeah. like air masks that they would have worn over at that time. So I think that's what it is. Uh, I probably should have done my homework before we got on this <laughs> podcast, but I could swear I've heard that somewhere. I like it. It's a nice idea, anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's roll with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, another one, another fan favorite, IG-88. IG-88. I like him, too. <laughs> I like everybody. I like IG-88, again, because he looks cool. And I don't know about you. I'm sure you collected Star Wars figures oh, yeah. as well. I was I was a fiend for droids, man. And, and I loved droids. And then when you take the concept of a droid who's like... And I know we didn't know this at the time. We found out later through other stories. But like, who's like broke protocol, broke code? He's <laughs> yeah. basically like the evil Johnny Five of the Star Wars <laughs> universe. Like, that's a great concept, you yes. know. But, but just to have like a hunter killer robot, when every other robot you see, every droid you see in the series is of some sort of servitude, mm-hmm. and then this guy is obviously a cut above. He's intriguing. So yeah, I love him. Yeah, you? you're speaking my language. I love the droids too, and I love the idea of an evil droid. Um, and and going back to the toys, I, I think I mentioned this way back on episode one of the show when I was talking to Rob Kelly. Like when I was growing up, like I, I remember, like my brother gave me this idea, and maybe he started it, but I ended up, like, I ended up using the toy of IG88 as a surrogate for the Terminator because they didn't have toys <laughs> of the Terminator. I would act out with the toys the final the end of the the first Terminator movie when Arnold when like he after the truck explodes and all of the, like the skin and everything melts off him and he's just the endoskeleton. 
I would act that out with IG-88 as the Terminator and like Han and Leia or Luke and Leia as Reese and Sarah Connor. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, I like it. I would have them go. So I'd play the ending of Terminator with my Star Wars toys <laughs> and IG-88 because he was so much taller and bigger and weird looking. It was, Makes yeah. sense. <laughs> and it's just, he is great. Like it's, it's, it's just a great design. I mean, obviously it's, it's something that like, you could never have an actor like like it's not like Anthony Daniels playing C three PO because like just the shape it's just like all these like tubes and pipes and like it, like weird shapes but there's just something mechanical and scary about it that is until you watch the cartoon it's available on YouTube and I'm gonna put a link to it IG eighty eight the dancing robot mm. um, I can't wait to see this <laughs> yeah oh, it's amazing <laughs> I will send it to you but I'll also put a link for the show notes for this one oh it's so it's so good. Um, and actually, we'll we'll use that just to segue to the the other droid in the lot, one that is barely even in the shadow of IG88 because no, he gets no love, but for LOM or on the toy he was called Zuckus because <laughs> the, the Hasbro or whatever or Kenner uh, got the names wrong for Zuckus and for LOM uh, on the packaging. But for LOM, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a lot of people thought like this this weird. Like droid was called Zuckus, and this weird bug guy was called Four LOM. It's like no, obviously it's the, you got the names wrong. But Four LOM might be my favorite, maybe even more than IG88. And it's it's something about like the underdog quality that nobody likes. But I like the fact that he looks like C3PO's body, but it's kind of black with this insectoid bug head. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I was and, thinking. And it's creepy. Like, I mean, I also liked the Death, Stroid, the, the Death Star droid, which also had a weird bug head, but, like, mm-hmm. there's something different. And, like, like the backstory they gave it, it's, like, whatever manufacturers of droids, they're like, well, this is a protocol droid that's more appealing to insectoid species. So they would like a droid that looks like them. Yeah, there's something sinister about him. Like, he, he looks... Just because of the multifaceted eyes and like the, the like the weird like the face and everything, like it's like a droid that just you'd look at him and you like even if you didn't know he was a bounty hunter, I would look at him and say that guy looks evil. That is an evil droid. He's <laughs> an evil dude. There's something, I, I don't want to I don't want to work with that guy. Um, so yeah, I, I've always liked four LOM. Any thoughts on him? No, except what what the main thought I have is I had to keep from laughing is, is you're you're talking about him and and I won't lie I'm I'm over here on my iPad googling so I have a good visual image while we talk yep. and I typed in four long and in my head I was like wait is that Zuckus <laughs> so, so I have been duped by the damn cards for, for the for the toys exactly. back in the day I'm still mixing them up in my head yeah, yeah. no but no he has a cool like cool like. Like you said, scary droid look. What were those toys like from the eighties? Were they called insectars? Uh, insectoids, insectars, sectars, whatever. He looks I, like I one exactly, of those. Guys. Yes, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Okay, he yeah. looks like one of those guys. Which is like you said, it's a cool look. It's a very menacing. He looks more menacing, I think, maybe than IG eighty eight. Except IG eighty eight is like you said, tall. Uh, but yeah, I, he's. I a, think it's the eyes. It's I those creepy bug eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't stare at me with those bug eyes, Forlom. <laughs> Forlom, I'm sorry about the bug eyes thing. I'll be in my office. <laughs> Crossover. Crossover. We did it. 
Um, and and actually, I think the the confusion about 4LOM and Zuckus, the fact that they they were named for inverted, and so many people got it, they've sort of been lumped together as like these forgotten ones, like the ones that nobody thinks about when they think of the bounty hunters. Everybody remembers Boba Fett, IG88, and Bosk, but in the stories, like they would later tell, like 4LOM and Zuckus, I think just because nobody remembered them, they always got partnered together, like they worked together, and the fact that they were both kind of bug looking. Yeah, they um, do have both have bug eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I like Zuckus too. I, he's like this creepy insectoid thing. He's a little bit shorter, a little bit stockier. Like he's kind of like this fat cockroach, like wearing like a cloak <laughs> with a gun. Oh man, it's just, there's something awesome about these guys. So, um, and the last one that we didn't mention, Dengar. Uh, the, ah, I love the, Dengar. The other human with these like weird mummy wraps over the top of his head, but like this brown armor. What do you think? <laughs> I have a special place in my heart for Dengar, but I will readily admit that it, it looked like they were like, all right, let's do our bounty hunter lineup. We got we got IG-88, Forlom, Bosk, Zuckus. We need one more guy. Just what can the props department put together in 30 minutes? <laughs> Here we go. Dengar. You know, but like he looks like, like, like their laziest effort as far as the props went. But I have a special place in my heart for him because I got I remember getting him as a as a figure mm-hmm. in like Christmas of eighty two or eighty three or something like that. And, you know, bounty hunters were cool. And it was one of those things like, you know, when your kids bounty hunter is cool and like you said, everybody locks in on IG eighty eight Bosk and Boba Fett for the most part. Mm-hmm. So people are like, oh, you know, Dingar or whatever. Well, if you go forward a couple of years, now everybody's like, Well, I wish I had got that Dingar figure, but nobody's carrying it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I had it. Like, I was, like, the unique kid through patience, you know, a couple of years, like, how come nobody's got Dengar? I'm like, I've got Dengar. <laughs> oh, man, you know, that's so cool. You know, so it was kind of that sort of action. It all comes back to the action figures for me, that sort of action figure rarity, Yeah. Uh, which is why I still love him. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's got a he's – got we put this together in 30 minutes look about him. <laughs> um, it does. I always thought that the picture of him, I thought he looked like Johnny Cash. Yes, yes. And he also looks like disinterested in being there. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like he's, he's just, I did like, I, I did a little something. I did a little bit of homework for this episode. I watched a couple like YouTube videos on because I wanted to bone up on the on the bounty hunters. It'd been a while since I'd really thought about them. Mm. And I didn't know that like in his backstory, you know, through the books or whatever, that he has a connection to Han Solo as well. I don't know if you know that. You probably yes, do. Yeah. But like Han Solo is the reason he wears those bandages. Yeah. They were in like, a, they were in a race together. Yes. And, yeah. And like, basically he thinks Han cheated. Uh, and that's the reason why he like crashed. And yeah, suppose like, it's not just like the bandages in the, the armor, but he's like half like cyborg underneath that. He's got like a bunch of replacement parts. Um, and it's all, because he was in this horrible like bike crash uh, exactly. that he was in like a, a race with uh, with Han, uh, and he thinks Han cheated him. So yeah, he's got like this vendetta, this lifelong hatred of Han. And that's what I learned in preparation for this show. <laughs> yeah. Which again, like I mean, if they if they did something with that in the Han Solo movie, like if they brought him back for that, that would be cool. Finally, Dingar gets his due, man. <laughs> yeah. Finally. Yeah. So. Um, and those are the six from the uh, the movie The Empire Strikes Back. Those are the big six that I always think of when I think of Bounty Hunters. Um, but there were a few others that I just kind of wanted to do sort of like a speed round rapid fire, kind of get through these. We have Princess Leia impersonating a bounty hunter named Boosh or Bausch in Return of the Jedi. Um, I always just, I loved this costume again. It, it, it looks like just the weirdest, most random thing that the props department threw together. But I like the way she's disguised as a bounty hunter in Return of the Jedi. What do you think? 
same same here and again goes back to the figures mm-hmm. this was a figure that not a lot of my friends got but i did uh because you know it was the 80s and we were boys and we don't have girl figures <laughs> i didn't believe in that i was like i want to have all the figures and, you yeah. know i'm just a hoarder and so and then you know you flash a couple of years and people are like man that 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 Princess Leia disguise figure is pretty cool with the helmet comes on. I'm like, yeah, you should have bought it when, <laughs> when it was out, you know? So, yeah, she was another one that I kind of took pride in that I had that, n- that nobody else did. But, yeah, it's a cool look. It's a, it, it's, it's definitely a, a, a throw-together look, but om- almost in the way that uh, Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it, – her, her bounty hunter persona looks like she's been in a few places and done a few things. You yeah. Know? Yeah, it definitely it seems like it's a character that has history, whether – it's an entirely made up character by her or if she captured or killed whoever used to wear that outfit and took his <laughs> outfit. Um, yeah, There's I, a backstory that needs to be told. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think when most people think of Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi and Jabba's Palace, they think of her golden bikini from the slave outfit. I'm not sure my, I know what you're talking my about. Fir- yeah, my first thought is always her bounty hunter outfit and I'm sure that says a lot about me. <laughs> but, yeah. Um... Moving on to some other notable bounty hunters, she was introduced first in The Phantom Menace, just a brief cameo during the pod race. She's just shown to be watching, uh, and then they fleshed her out a lot in the comics and then the Clone Wars cartoon, uh, of a female bounty hunter named Aura Singh. Do you know this character? I do. Um, that I need didn't to... sound convincing. <laughs> no, I, no, I do. I just I need to uh, get another a look at her. Yeah. I know the character, like you say, Ara Singh, and I immediately know female bounty hunter, uh, prequel-oriented. Um, how do you spell Aura? A-U-R-R-A. Two R's. There's my, there's my problem. I need to get another look at her. Oh, yeah, 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 with the, with the orange suit. and the uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, definitely. Yeah. She, she got a very striking appearance, just like bleached white skin, like pale, right. ghost-like white. Uh, like this, this, her shaved head, except it's pulled back mm-hmm. in like a top knot behind her with like a red sleeveless jumpsuit. And again, she, she never had a, she wasn't a character really in the movie. She, we just had a side of her, but like, that was another one where I was like, well, I'm watching the Phantom Menace and I'm like, hmm, they're focusing on the wrong characters because I want to know more about her. <laughs> not, now, see, here's the, not really I, any of the people who are speaking. I don't like them so much. <laughs> I want to know more about her. <laughs> I don't like. I couldn't go drive right to the part where she's in in Phantom Menace. Although my suspicion is that she's just watching from a balcony somewhere. She, yeah, she's like looking over a cliff. Or okay, she's watching the. It's it's like a fraction of a second. The camera's behind her, and you just see her head kind of turn to watch Anakin's pot go by. It's yeah. And I know she's kind of big in the in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Right series, yeah. and I think I know that more because my son was watching them. I've never been big in the cartoons; don't know a lot about them. But that's I do know like a, I know her when I see her, and I know that she's somehow in the episodes related to like Tiny Baby Jabba the Hut, like Zero <laughs> the Hut, or something like yeah. that. That's all I got. It took me a while to get through the Clone Wars cartoon because I found myself not caring about the episodes that focused on like the wars because I didn't care about the Jedi that much. I didn't. I didn't really like. Bear in mind, like. The cartoon did a lot to improve on your uh, impressions of Obi-Wan and Anakin and Yoda from the prequels. Um, But it was still kind of like, the Jedi versus battle droids, I'm not really feeling this. But they did a lot of episodes about bounty hunters and some of the the underworld of the Star Wars universe. And those were the episodes that I tended to like a lot more. Uh, So they fleshed out her character, and I thought it was really, really cool. 
Um, and they they had like Bosk and Dengar in some of those episodes too, and they were they were cool. Um, they they did their best to redeem little kid. Get him, Dad, Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say they pulled it off, but they tried. <laughs> they, tr- they gave it a good try. They did. <laughs> did Dingar still look homeless? Just out of curiosity. Constantly. <laughs> Dingar's like always asking for spare change. Actually, maybe <laughs> maybe Dengar wasn't in there. I don't know if he. I don't know if Dengar was in the cartoons. Bosk definitely was, but yeah. Um, another female bounty hunter uh, introduced in Attack of the Clones was Zam Wessel who was a shapeshifter, even though that power was never used in, <laughs> effectively in the movie. And if you've got a bounty hunter who can actually change shape, that would that would make for a pretty... And actually, like, they call her a bounty hunter, but she's, her function in the movie is as an assassin. Both Zam Wessel and Jango Fett, the other one, they're called bounty hunters, but their job in the movie is to try and assassinate Padme. Like, I, I don't know why they're even called bounty hunters. Like, they're not capturing anybody alive, but I guess that's... I think they're just kind of cashing in on that right. whole, right. yeah. Um, but yeah, she, I remember her. She's like she dressed in purple. She's she kind of looked like like if Prince decided to give up music and just go into <laughs> bounty hunting. But yeah, you're right about that. Like I just recently went back and watched the prequels, uh, not because I like the pain, but because <laughs> my son wanted to watch them, and and so I sat there and I watched them, and I didn't. I, frankly, I found them a little boring, but that's not yeah. what the show is about. But the, I came up with that same note. I'm like, you kind of got an interesting character who can shape shift. It seems like you could do this, like cool plot device, like mm-hmm. she could pretend to be someone else that we, and trickeration through the movie, and then it's like, nah. <laughs> Nah, we're good. Okay. Okay. Again, I, I think you're focusing on the wrong characters. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and this is another, again, like, wasted opportunity because I think her costume, you mentioned, like, the purple outfit with the sort of half mask that covers her mouth and everything. I love the look of this character. Um, yeah, and that can be said of just look. pretty much every bounty hunter, up to and including Greedo. I like Greedo's look, as weird <laughs> as it is. But, like, yeah, I, I think Zam Wessel has, like, the, one of the coolest designs of any character in the prequels and a wasted opportunity for the character. But like, yeah, I just think that's, that's the other thing that during the promotion for um, the force awakens and the last Jedi, whenever Gwendolyn Christie says that captain Phasma is the first female villain in star Wars. I'm like, ah, not, not really. I mean, I guess unless, unless Zam was actually a male who disguised himself as a female woman, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I, I like Zam. Then there's Django Fett, um, a cleaned-up-looking Boba Fett. Ah, I, I have I have conflicting thoughts about him. I do like the design. I mean, it's based on Boba Fett's Mandalorian outfit, which is really, really cool. And mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a just cleaned-up, like, silver with blue highlights, it looks really cool. If he was going to be the basis for the clone troopers, I wish the clone troopers actually just looked like a bunch of Django Fetts instead of the Stormtrooper knockoffs. Like I, I think right. that I think it would have been cooler to see an army of those guys running at you. I thought that would have been a cooler look. His fight with Obi Wan in the rain is one of the highlights of uh, Attack of the Clones, just because it's Agreed. it's yeah. an unusual fight. Uh, up to that point, we had never seen a fight like that in Star Wars. A fight versus uh, with a Jedi fighting somebody else who's not a Jedi, and the odds are pretty even up. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought yeah. that was really cool. I liked the rain environment. So, yeah. Again, like I, I, I like the look of Jango Fett more than the character or how he's used. But I agree. Like I said, I, I thought it, you pretty much covered. It. I thought it was kind of a cool, the coolest reveal to me from the clone mm-hmm. 
trilogy is that they're you know they're all clones of Boba Fett's dad. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a neat plot twist. But yeah, like you said, after that it's just kind of you know I went and saw his solo movie Django Unchained. It didn't make <laughs> any sense at all. I was just like this. I I couldn't figure it out. I almost used that joke in one of my in the questionnaires. <laughs> but but you were like, no, that's too stupid. I'll wait till I have Jared on. <laughs> Django Fett or Django Unchained? Which do you like, Brett? Uh, the last bounty hunter I'll mention um, is actually not one who has appeared in the movies up to this point, uh, but a fan-favorite character created for the Clone Wars cartoon named Cad Bane. I don't know if you know this one. Um, he's a Duros. That's the alien species. They originated in uh, the Cantina. Um, they look very similar to the Nemoidians or the Trade Federation species from the Phantom Menace, although he's not the same species. Um, yes, kind of yes. blue skin, no nose, red eyes. This character, mm-hmm. I think, one of the again, whoever's working at Lucasfilm, they know how to design a character because I think what made him really popular is he looks like a Clint Eastwood man with no name <laughs> Western type of bounty hunter. He's got yes. a black duster and a hat. <laughs> and he's got like he's got like two like six shooter looking blasters that he wears at his hips. It's just a really cool look. Yeah, I, I didn't know a lot about him to be honest with you until you know you, you asked me to be on the show and you kind of sent me the notes who we were going to talk about. So I looked him up and I come to find out that he's like he his species is actually kind of frail, mm-hmm. uh, but he's like found ways to enhance himself and to make himself dangerous. And then yeah, with that with that cowboy hat and those like steely red eyes, it's like. He's a scary looking dude, you know. <laughs> it's a great design. I said I don't know a lot about. Him. I've never seen him in anything, uh, but I just uh, just looked him up for the show and I saw his, his look and his design, and I read up about him a little bit, and I was impressed. He becomes a really popular character in the later seasons of the Clone Wars. Um, it doesn't show up for a while, but once they introduced him, the fans must have really taken to him, uh, and and he gets a lot of mileage later on in the season oh, okay. or later on in the series. So. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, those, those are the bounty hunters. Uh, I would love it if we get some more, you know, in, in the future of the Star Wars movies or, or other media. I like what they add to the franchise because fundamentally Star Wars is a story of good versus evil. I mean, at its, at its heart, you've got a boy and, uh, as a sort of microcosm for this rebellion, this youthful element rising up against an oppressor, the light side versus the dark side the son confronting the father, redeeming him and everything. It's very black or white. I mean, just just look at the costume designs. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, somewhere in the middle, you have these bounty hunters. And traditionally, they've been used as villainous characters. But there's also just the sense that, you know, they're, they're mercenaries, but they're not necessarily evil by it. Like, you gotta think, well, if Han had more money, he could have paid them off. You know, maybe the rebels could the rebels could have hired some of these guys, and they, you know the the sort of gray area that they add to Star Wars. I think that's really important, and it and it helps make it a more special universe. What do you think? I think that's a great point. I think you're right. I think I never thought of it in those terms, but you're right. It's it's a lot of clear cut this and that all the way through, and then here comes these guys. They're just trying to you know turn a coin. Are they are they good guys? Are they bad guys? They're what they need to be. <laughs> you know? So that's a very interesting point you brought up. I, I never thought it in those terms, but I think, you've, I think you're really on to something there. Would you want to see more bounty hunters in, in Star Wars movies or the future? Um, I suppose. Uh, I, I, it's, it's hard to say. I, I, on one hand, I think I would. 
um, be open to that idea just because it does move more to that gray area. And, and we saw some of that actually in Rogue One. Things got a little grayer mm-hmm. in Rogue One. And so I think it's 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 ripe for it. Uh, my only concern would be, you know, hey, don't don't do the thing where you're just trying to cash in because, they, you you know, the, the movie makers know we like bounty hunters. So, right. you know, hey, look at our super cool bounty hunter. If you try that <laughs> approach, I'm going to be like, eh. Yeah. But, you know, if they if they throw in a little nod to Boba Fett and Solo or, or you know, in the next whatever Star Wars movie, there's a there's a new like IG-88 or something like that. I'd be like, oh, that's cool. You know, IG-88 is a cool one to bring to bring back and reuse because, like you said, he's not a person. And, right. and with CGI has reached the point where we could do a very convincing IG-88 in a movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm open to it. I just don't want them to try to do that cash in, you know. Right. Look, yeah. we gave you a new we gave you a new bounty hunter. You should be thankful. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I, I think we could apply that to so, so many things in Star Wars. Just uh, yeah, Disney fight your fight your uh, instinct <laughs> to just grab the cash, but actually, exactly actually give us give us a proper story and good characters. All right. Well, uh, I, I think that'll wrap up our topic and our discussion on bounty hunters in Star Wars. Uh, thank you very much for that. But Jared, before you go, you must answer the galactic questionnaire. Are you ready for this? Oh my! God. <laughs> I forgot this was part of the show. Okay. Hit me with the galactic questionnaire. All right, galactic questionnaire 2.0. Question number one. Kylo Ren's lightsaber or Darth Maul's lightsaber? I'm going to go with Darth Maul's lightsaber. Seems like less of a chance I would hurt myself. Okay. (laughs) What I love about that question is everybody answers, they pick a different lightsaber, but they always say there's less of a chance I'll hurt myself with that. (laughs) Did I really fall into the trap? Yes, I think everybody (laughs) says the exact same thing. It's like, well, if you're choosing different lightsabers than that, I I don't but okay. I don't know what what it is about the safety and how you use it. <laughs> it's so weird that we all think along those lines. Interesting social experiment you've got going on. <laughs> Question two: X-wing fighter or Tie fighter? Uh, X-wing fa- fighter all day, every day. Nice. It all just right. looks cooler. Yeah. Question three: a better sidekick for Lando, Lobot or Nian Num? Uh, Lobot with his with his beats. <laughs> Lobot, Lobot. Oh my gosh! It, next chance you get, you got to go check out about the last fifteen or twenty minutes of the latest Long Box Crusade, where we just riff. We do this whole thing where we do movies from a smaller character's point of view. Yep. We do a Lobot riff about uh, what the Empire Strikes Back looks like from his point of view. God. <laughs> it's uh, a hoot. But anyway, uh, I'm sorry. Um, no, I definitely. You, you I, 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 right to this point, Lobot. I like Lobot. <laughs> No, I, I oh man, no, I'll, I'll leave that in because I want to. I want to hear that discussion now. Yeah. Oh, and and uh, the aforementioned IG8, the dancing robot video. Lobot has a prominent part in that. He's the DJ. Oh man, now you're really. <laughs> oh, well, that makes sense with his beats yeah. on it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm tantalized now. Officially tantalized. I'll send. I'll send you the link. <laughs> Question four: You're going away for a while, and you decide to Airbnb your home. Who do you rent to? <laughs> Jar Jar Binks or a family of Jawas? Oh Lord! <laughs> oh man! Um, I'm putting way too much thought into this, but I would have to say, oh, as much as I hate to say this, I'm going to run it to Jar Jar because 
at least you know that when it's a a Charlie Foxtrot upon your return, that it was it was accidental and it wasn't on purpose. I love this question because everybody says Jar Jar Binks, and they have to rationalize it that way. Dang it, man! You really I put I put people in a compromising position where they're forced to voluntarily give their home to Jar Jar. Oh man! All right, question number five. Would you rather spend a year working on Uncle Owen's farm or one night dancing for Jabba the Hutt? The pay is the same. The pay is the same. Um, I'm, a, I'm sort of a, uh, a flamboyant type who's famous for his good dancing, so I'll dance for the hut. Nice. Be bold. Take the yeah. risk. I, yeah, I'll take the risk. I, I, I'm not cut out for manual labor, man. I'm an artist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm so glad you picked that. All right. Question six. You're piloting a rebel snowspeeder. Which celebrity do you want as your tail gunner? Oh man, I can have any celebrity through all time. Mm, yeah. Um, this is going to be weird because he's actually in some of the Star Wars movies as a villain. But I'm going to take Christopher Lee. Ooh. As my tail gunner, because if I'm not mistaken, Christopher Lee was in the Royal Air Force, and I feel like he'd be handy back there. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> but yeah, oh, and it, just it, that, that it, voice, that voice coming from behind you. So yeah, it's very reassuring. I mean, I got a guy back there who's been been through it all. He's he's been Dracula. He's <laughs> he's been in in the Lord of the Rings universe. He's been in the Star Wars universe. He's been in the James Bond universe. I mean, you have to be able to count on a guy like that. He's in Gremlins <laughs> or Gremlins Two. Was he in Gremlins Two? I, he was I in totally Gremlins forgot too. that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that's you know Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Dracula, but but you know. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, you know. (laughs) We don't judge. There might be some big Gremlins 2 fans out there. (laughs) All righty. The final question, number seven. What is the first thing Luke says to Rey after The Force Awakens? So basically, now, like, at the beginning of The Last Jedi, what is the first thing that Luke says to Rey? Okay, so she shows up, and it's like they're staring contests, and... (laughs) And she she holds out the the lightsaber, right? Mm-hmm. That's how it ends. And then he says, "What day is it?" <laughs> I think that's it. He just goes, "What day is it?" Because <laughs> he needs he doesn't know. You know, <laughs> he's lost track. He needs a reference. Yeah, he's going with what day is it? Yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. What day is it? <laughs> what day is it? Uh, or alternate answer: Do you have any snacks? <laughs> Because you know his food choices are limited on wherever the hell it is that he's oh, at. He's just got these little puffin little creatures called porgs, I think. <laughs> I think that's what he's been dining on for like six years. What day is it and do you have snacks? <laughs> you know what's weird? It's almost like the same kind of stuff that Yoda said to him when he showed up. Remember when he first showed up and Yoda was just interested in getting his food? And yeah. <laughs> that would be about the same. Yeah. So like he's been eating like snakes or whatever he could find in the swamp yeah. for 20 yeah. years. Like, he just wants one of those granola bars or whatever the heck he had there. He's like, electricity, holy shit, the flashlight, give me that. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, Jared, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of Give Me Those Star Wars. Where else can people find you on the internets uh, if they want to get in touch with you or hear more about you or see some of your art? All right, block off some time. Go get yourself a drink. All right, um, on Twitter I'm at Yard Sale Artist. I'm also on Facebook as uh, the Yard Sale Artist. You can find me 
in either of those locations, and that's a great place to find out about my art endeavors and my upcoming shows and things like that. If you want to hear more of my podcasting, uh, you can check out the White Rocket Entertainment Network. It's a bunch of shows all in one feed. It includes my my show Comics with Normies. It includes uh, the 007 podcast I do with Van Plexico and John Ringer. It includes the Babylon 5 podcast I do with Van. It includes the Quantum Leap podcast I do with Van. And then definitely check us out over at the Long Box Crusade. That's another podcast feed that you can get with uh, Pat Sampson, my brother Jason, my friend Delvin. Uh, that is just like like four uber nerds just giving us a comic to talk about, and we might touch on the comic, but we talk for two hours about whatever we want. <laughs> uh, so if that's your thing, if you're going on a road trip, that's the show you want. So yeah, those those are the best places to find me, and uh, and I appreciate you having me on on the show, man. This is good times. Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll have you back at some point. I know it. All right, folks, we will be back with your listener feedback after this short promo break. Don't go away. Hello, I'm Pat Sampson, and I would like to invite you to join me on my podcast, The Longbox Crusade. On this podcast, I'm reading through my 20-plus longboxes that I have stored away in my basement. On each episode, I will select a random issue from my collection and take a very highbrow, thoughtful approach to examining these truly American art forms that help to shape our popular culture. Oh, I like comics too. Uh, can I get a comic out of my long box that syncs up with the month and year of the comic from your long box and chat about that too? Oh, oh and video games. Can we talk about games? Or, or maybe James Bond too. I love James Bond. <sighs> Fine. Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. the Yard Sale Artist. We can add some of your comics and enthusiasm to the show it might help get a deeper introspection of did someone say james bond i love james bond and i love comics too i can bring a comic from my long box to sync up with you guys i also love movies and music even news stories that tie into the time period that match the comic books we review Uh, this is what i get for inviting both the albrecht brothers into my show Jason, how the heck can we fit all that into my deeply intellectual review of... Well, you know what? Fine. Let's do it. Let's cram it all into one podcast. Join us on the Longbox Crusade, folks. We'll bounce around in time from issue to issue, pulled randomly from my longboxes, and the Alpert Brothers will bring along issues with the same month and year cover date. We'll talk about the comics and the time period they come from, including... World news of that time. Top 40 music chart toppers. Movies, both good and bad. Maybe even some favorite recipes. Whatever I think is funny. We'll probably have to suffer through things that Jared thinks are funny. We'll jam it all into one pop culture extravaganza, examining the comics in my longbox and the time period surrounding them. Join us for a wild ride through time on the Longbox Crusade podcast as we attempt to read them all. What's What's in in your your longbox? Back on episode 22, J. David Weeder and I shared our ideas for some classic movies injected with a heavy dose of Star Wars. We got some great feedback on that one, including a number of listeners chiming in with their own ideas for movies they would like to see given a Star Wars twist. The first comment came from podcasting luminary Gene Hendricks, who suggested the Blues Brothers-style movie about Fagrinda Ann and the modal nodes getting back together post-Endor. 
I love that idea because The Blues Brothers is one of my top five favorite movies of all time, and I love Figrin to end in the modal nodes. That's a winning combination, Gene. Uh, he also suggested Cannonball Run with Han and Chewie before Star Wars in the Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise roles. Just picture Chewie as Captain Chaos. Uh, Gene also said, of course, Smokey and the Bandit, and posted a link to his blog, The Hammer Strikes, where he rewrote the lyrics to Eastbound and Down as Yavinbound and Down. Classic. I uh, got a first comment, I think, from Mike Deans, or Danes, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, who also thought Smokey and the Bandit. Mike said, when I heard there would be a young Han Solo movie, I thought the Kessel Run done as Smokey and the Bandit would make a great movie. I guess I'll just have to wait and see. It's a long way to go and a short time to get there. Uh, if that's not the basis of the movie, I think there was a recent Han Solo miniseries published by Marvel Comics, like a five-parter, that I think is sort of like that. Basically, a Kessel Run, Cannonball Run type of thing. Uh, Chris Franklin from here on the Fire and Water Network said, Since Star Wars owes a lot to a certain samurai film, why not do a seven samurai slash magnificent seven type film? An imperial regiment keeps harassing a small planet near a deserted outpost. The citizens hire a somewhat dishonored Jedi who assembles a band of angels with tarnished halos to help him. Rogue One kind of had a bit of that feel, but goes more toward the Dirty Dozen. Actually, some of the earliest Star Wars comics published by Marvel did this, with Han and Chewie and five other oddball heroes defending a small village from pirates. It happened, I think, right after the adaptation of the first movie. It was like issue 7 through 10 or something. Uh, Chris adds... If you want to go more modern western, how about Open Range? A farmer and his right-hand man are run off some free property by a Jabba-like land baron. His forces continue to push them until it turns out the farmhand is a retired Jedi. Or Unforgiven, with Boba Fett as Clint Eastwood's Will, and Dengar, or wait, IG-88, as Morgan Freeman's Ned. Boba found a good woman who cured him of his wicked ways after he crawled out of the Sarlacc pit. But she died, and now IG-88 comes to him with a lucrative hit job on Mos Eisley. Those are both very, very good ideas. Uh, and then Chris ruined it all by concluding with, I'm surprised Dave didn't have a Star Wars redo of Swayze's Ghost on his list. Imagine the clay wheel scene with Admiral Akbar. <sighs> Brian Linton said, The episode Bounty Hunters in Season 2 of Star Wars The Clone Wars is a direct homage to Seven Samurai. In the episode, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka team up with a group of four bounty hunters who have been hired to protect a village from pirates. It's been a while since I watched it, but I remember it being one of my favorite episodes from the series. Yep, it was good. Paul and KC suggested Lethal Weapon with Billy D and Harrison replacing Danny Glover and Mel Gibson. Ah, oh, it'd be hard to see Han Solo going that crazy, but eh, maybe. Uh, Paul Hicks from the Waiting for Doom podcast said, It's a mad, 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 mad galaxy. The bounty hunters, rebels, and Imperials all race to find Dexter Jetster's treasure under a giant W. Uh, he also suggested Han v. Luke Dawn of Rebellion, with Leia as the breakout character, and Must Love Wookiees. I like that. Uh, our buddy Rift didn't make a suggestion, just commented on one of mine, The Hunt for Red October with Leia as Alec Baldwin's character pitch, Take My Money. Gladly. Uh, Tim Price said, Such a fun, thought-provoking concept and episode. Kudos to you, Ryan and Dave. My own ideas came up being too similar to several of yours. Caddyshack would be another sports comedy, but to have Bill Murray trying to blow up an Ewok? You know you want to see that. Oh yeah. Oh man. 
Uh, a coworker also liked the ghost idea, but my thought was a secret squad of quirky, atypical Imperials hunting down deceased Jedi that are trying to help the Resistance, a la Ghostbusters. Oh, man. Ah, oh, Tim. If the ghost of one of those weirdo masters from the Jedi Council and the Phantom Menace turned into a Slimer-like ghost, ah, oh, that'd be incredible. Uh, and Tim ended it with big thumbs up on the hunt for Red October. Do it, Ryan, do it. Hey, I, I tried. And our last comment on that episode came from our own dear friend, the Irredeemable Shag. I was smiling and laughing through this entire episode. Great job, guys. And the hunt for Red October as a Star Wars RPG adventure is brilliant. In concept, yes. In execution, eh. Uh, Shag goes on to say, One more submission, a goofy animated adaptation of Midnight Madness featuring different Star Wars teams trying to solve the clues. One team of our heroes, Luke, Han, and Leia, etc. A team of bounty hunters, a team of Jawas, a bumbling team of stormtroopers with Darth Vader, and some other team. Lacking a clever suggestion here. All racing to solve clues provided by Yoda. Huge melons. I've never seen the movie, so I don't know what that last part is in reference to. Uh, the team race and scavenger hunt idea, though, would be a lot of fun, as Paul Hicks also mentioned with It's a Mad, 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 Mad World earlier. Uh, that would be a blast, or at least a good idea for a video game. Now, moving on to the comments from the last episode on which Kyle Benning and I reacted to the official trailer to The Last Jedi. Didn't get as many comments because I know a lot of people are actually avoiding the trailer. They don't want to see any footage of the movie until they go into the theater. Good luck abstaining from the spoilers, people. I hope, I hope it works out for you. Uh, as for those who did watch it and left feedback, Jeff R. said, I sort of expect an extended slash final trailer to be released with Thor Ragnarok's opening. I'm pretty sure this trailer will be attached to all showings of Thor Ragnarok, but Lucasfilm did just release a 45-second TV spot during Game 5 of the World Series just a few days ago. Uh, Jeff also said, I think it's wishful thinking to assume this trailer is being deliberately deceptive about the big story beats. Maybe. We'll see. Rob Kelly from the Fire and Water Network said, I liked overall how little this trailer showed. No Benicio Del Toro, no Laura Dern, very little John Boyega. I still really don't know what the story is, and I'm happy about that. Uh, Paul Hicks said, Impressive trailer, but I felt super uncomfortable about the Carrie Fisher appearances in the trailer, like they were playing with our expectations based on the reality of her untimely passing. A new and weird feeling to have. Yeah, I agree. I th from the reactions that I've seen, like most people, just at the sight of her in context with that scene, it makes people... I mean, it's an emotional gut punch, and, and when we actually see it in context in the final film, I don't know how everybody's going to react to it, which, I mean, I don't know how I'm going to be able to react to it. Uh, Chris Franklin said, Man, I hope Ray doesn't go all dark side on us. If so, I'm going to have one inconsolable little girl on my hands. Yeah, I mean... It would be really crappy for Disney to make this big of a deal unveiling their new heroic female lead character for the Star Wars franchise and then turn her into an evil, you know, murdering Sith Lord a la Anakin and the Darth Vader turn. I, I don't think it's going to happen for that reason. Um, Chris also said, One thing I wondered about the trailer is Luke. He seems a bit sinister. It could be he's just in crazy old hermit mode, but I wonder if Rey and Kylo's stories aren't going to parallel even more with a mentor whose intentions aren't the best for anyone. Luke may be so against training Rey and propagating this super force power that he goes to extremes to stop it. I hope not, but it does make me wonder. 
We'll see. I, I think he's just kind of like in a bitter, small place, but we'll see. Uh, Chris says, I did like how Luke sounds like an older version of Hamill's Jedi Luke from Return of the Jedi, and not just an older Mark Hamill. That's just good acting. He went back there. Yep, good call. And our last comment came from Chuck Coletta, who simply said, meh. I assume Chuck means that about the trailer and not mine and Kyle's discussion, but if not, I'm sorry we bored you. Uh, anyway, that is going to be all for this episode of Give Me Those Star Wars. Next time, it's my predictions episode called Eight Expectations. You will hear eight previous guests from the show, each making one prediction about something he or she thinks will happen in Episode 8, The Last Jedi. And after that, I'll make a few of my own predictions. Will we be right? Will we be wrong? Will we spoil stuff? I don't know, I don't know, and probably... Uh, you might want to skip that episode and come back to it after you see the movie. Find out how right and how stupid we all sounded. Anyway, until next time, remember, The Last Jedi comes out next month. Now, take it away, IG-88, the dancing robot, and beats by Lobot. Give Me Those Star Wars is a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Feedback for the show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or the Facebook page for Give Me Those Star Wars. You can also find me on Twitter at Ryan Daly, or you can send an email to rdailypodcast at gmail.com. All music, audio clips, or quoted text are used for entertainment purposes and believed covered under fair use. Give Me Those Star Wars is not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm, and I make no money from this podcast, so no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.